Hi, everybody. My name's Auntie Jane, and I'd like to begin by paying my respects to the Wondery people and to the aunties, uncles, mums, dads, nieces, nephews, brothers and sisters, and to the traditional custodians of this land on where we are meeting upon today for its elders, past and presence, and even for the self-advocacy people who passed away and who are still here today on Aboriginal land. Thank you, everyone, for Marnie Jane, and I love it. We pay respects to the self-advocacy who has worked tirelessly over the years for their rights to express and equality and human rights for all. Hello and welcome to Raising Our Voices on 3CR, 8.55am. We are run by people with disability and give people with a disability a voice, a voice on the airways. Nothing about us without us. Hi, I'm Chris. Today we're talking about people with disabilities who have lived in support accommodation, like institutions and other group homes, such as SRS and CRUs and institutional homes. We want people to know that people with a disability should not have to live in the institution, support accommodation houses or CRUs. They might need support, but there are other ways they can get that support. Everyone should have the choice to live independently. Today I'm joined by Auntie Jane and James and Shona. Heather will also share her story on the show. I pass it over to Auntie Jane. Thanks. Hi everybody, I'm Auntie Jane and I'm my tribe is Yorta Yorta Nation and I'm here on 3CR Radio for Amida today and I'm, I've got quite a few other hats on as well. Um, I'd like to pass over to James. There you go. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is James. I am part of Reinforce and Rainbow Rights and Amida Committee member and also that's a big Oh you're dead. Under many hats. <laughs> and I'll pass it on to Shona. Hi, I'm Shona and I'm a member of Havasay Bendigo. <laughs> and I'll pass it to Chris. Hi, I'm Chris and I'm also part of Havasay Bendigo as well. Before we begin, I want to give a heads up to listeners that today's chat will we will talk about some sad stories and might feel sad after hearing these stories. 
if you feel sad after this story, you can call Beyond Blue 1300224636 or Lifeline 131114. I was taken away at the age of six months old from my family and I was put into, under six months old, I was put into a Lambine Trana because I had an intellectual disability and I had epileptic fits. From six months old to five years old, I was in Nazareth House Boys Home, Sebastopol, with the nuns and the police. I was. And I was not sexually abused there, but I was physically abused a lot and I was called nicknames called, like monkey because I was Aboriginal, which was not right in those days and it's still not right today, forever. Once I turned five, I went to a bigger institution, which I thought that was my family, I thought, because I didn't know who my mum and dad was in that time. And then there was about three to 400 children there, there was, Aboriginal people there, all different disabilities and that. I was there from when I was five to 21. And I was sexually abused as well, physical abuse and traumatised as well. That went on for those years when the staff thought that they got away with it, which they bloody well did not. Then later on, we after when you turned 16, you went into a hostel, which was on the land, and it was learning about looking after yourself and coping, doing some shopping, cooking and all that and I was there for about a year and a half in the hostel but then after that we went on the land into a CAU that was like a house but it was called a CAU learning the basics on in a house after that some of us moved out in the community we did and we were in a CAU in CB Street and that's when we were learning about out in the community about your rights having that voice to be heard. We still have the staff here with us, shopping, cleaning, washing, all that. And we're still going down to the institution as well and going to the Work Education Centre, which was um, a nursery, but that had a school with it. I used to work at the um, hospital in that time and I used to get picked on a lot. The reason why I used to get picked on because I was from an institution and that, and I used to always get in trouble from the front office of the hospital. And I was there for five years, I was, and I was a domestic cleaner as well. After that, I met up with my partner, and then after that, that's when I left store, I did, and I went into a private rental house that was in the 1990s, and um, I stayed there and, like, I had epileptic fits at the time and I was depending on him because I was staying way back in the past until I had my brain surgery in 2004. And I went to an organisation that was in Frankston was called Western Port Speaking Out, which learns about your rights, having a voice to be heard and all that. But then it was after the brain surgery that I joined Reinforce which is a self-advocacy organisation that's run by and for people with an intellectual disability. And that's when I, 
I learned more about myself and about self-agency and all that um, from better than when I was in Frankston with the um, Western Port Speaking Out. After I had my brain surgery in 2004, I stayed with Dickhead for, for eight years because I used to go through a lot, a lot of domestic violence as well. And every time there was a fight or an argument, he would always blame it on me. He would never blame it on himself because he used to think that he was the top dick and Harry he was, which he wasn't. Then I gave him three chances, I did, and it was that third chance that he headlocked me, slapped me across the face, gave me hostage in the community house. The police had to be involved. He wouldn't let people in the community house and he was telling the policeman there was a burglary, which was a load of um, rubbish, you know. And then after that, ever since I left Dickhead, I am as free as a bird now. I am. And I am staying that way for the rest of my life. And that is when I found out more about my Aboriginal culture, which I am very, very, very happy about, and about my dad as well. And I get on well with my family, cousins, aunties, uncles, mums, you know, all that. I love them to bits. And I love being down on the friends on the streets as well. And I get on well with them as well. And they like part of my family too. So anybody who's listening to this, who's going through a domestic violence or who's having a bad trauma time, there is organisations that are out there to go to if they need the help and that, because you've got to remember, you only live bloody once, you might as well be free as a bird and have a happy life for the rest of your life. Thank you, everybody. I Jane. Agree. You are listening to 3CR radio show on Raising Our Voices. Today we are sharing our stories of living in institutions, group homes or CRUs. CRUs, way back then, there should be the staff that be doing more training and that, and they should be training on how to look after people with a disability, how to speak in plain English, less jargon, and to have pictures as well and have more patience for people who are going to doctors, nurses, reception staff, police, ambulance, fire brigades, and all that. They have to have the training for that as well yes and now i've got my own place now and i am very happy where i'm living i am staying there for the rest of my life because you only live once on this nice earth of aboriginal land and that which i love <laughs> and um I'm just so happy now that I can please myself and what I want to do. And that's the way I'm staying. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my story. Well, thank you, Jane. Jonah. Mm, Jane, I feel really sorry for what happened to you. I understand. That is not really good. No, no, it's not. Mm. No. Um. Yes. Like... <laughs> One thing I didn't know until I was about five, oh, I didn't even know I was half Maltese. Ah. I didn't really know that until I asked my grandparents. I'm not sure 
but I don't think I knew my dad that well. Ah, okay. Until I saw him, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I don't know if I did or not. It's because mum and dad broke up when I was mm. one and a half. Yeah. So I don't think I probably would have known dad that well. Yeah, I understand that. It's like when I was Aboriginal, that you weren't allowed to say that you were Aboriginal in the 70s and the 50s and the 60s and that. Terrible, Jane. Yeah. It is terrible. And can I say that there's actually a um, place out there for domestic violence called CASA. Yeah. Yeah. That people can go to if yeah. they need to. And I'll pass it over to Shona now. Okay. When I was um, 18, but I was almost 19, I was put in care and oh, I could not stand it. It was annoying. I was picked on. A worker said that I was wrong about animals when I started studying them. They said that whales and dolphins and orcas were fish, and I knew they were not. I knew for a long time that whales and dolphins and orcas were mammals, and they even said sharks were mammals. I knew sharks were not mammals. I knew that they were fish, and that worker always said I was wrong. And then I didn't feel like, I just didn't feel like I was part of my family. I thought, um, oh, I didn't, I felt like my mum was not my mum. But then after I got taken away from her, and after mum put me in care, oh, and um, yeah, I and my sisters were upset that I was in care. They didn't know I was gonna, I was in care, and um, they were crying a lot. <laughs> they were wondering where I was, and then eventually, when they got older, Mum told them that I was in care. Oh, I kept moving from house to house, and I. And all those uh, support accommodation houses, uh, none of them were good. Oh, mm. I didn't have a good time with time in any of those houses. I was always treated disrespectfully. And um, it was just irritating. And, like, oh, a worker used to In one of the houses in, in Bendigo, a worker used to tease me between the colour blue and the colour mm. green. You, that worker wrote on a um on a on blue cups in permanent marker saying, I'm a green cup and wrote on the green cups in permanent mm. marker saying, I'm a blue cup. And then oh, it was so irritating and he was also um teasing me about whales and dolphins and orcas. And I would say to to people in front of him that I love them, oh, he would say, because they're tasty, and he would write on food seasonings, dolphin flakes. Um, and that was so annoying. I, I had to be home at a certain time or otherwise I would get in trouble. And, oh, and if I didn't have a key and... I got home very late. The front door would be locked, and I'll, they said, and I wouldn't be able to get back in. 
Sana, can I ask you how that make you feel? Yes, it made me feel unhappy and annoyed. I hated being here. That's terrible. Hated it. It was so irritating. Also, they uh, also sometimes the workers would tell me to eat stuff I didn't want to eat. And one time, one of the workers told me to eat chicken Kievs, and I cannot eat chicken Kievs. I'm a, I'm intolerant to garlic. And what would happen if you did eat garlic? Well, if I was around garlic, I would feel really sick, especially by the smell because it would make me dry reach. Or, or, um, if I ate chicken kebabs or garlic, if I took a bite of a chicken kebab or a garlic ball and uh, did not even swallow it, I would spew straight away. That's terrible, Sona. Yes. I think people with a disability should be given a choice to go out late if they want to. I think people should have more choices of... Yeah, the support workers working workers should stop tormenting people with a disability. All the workers should let people have choices. Support accommodation houses should be shut down. Now I'm so happy because I'm back with my family and oh, it feels a lot better than being in care. It really does and I, and I love it. I get to spend a lot more time with my family and I help mum a lot and I help my sisters look after the kids. That's good. Yep, I live in my own unit in my mum's backyard and I Get to do anything I want to do. I can, can be out. Sometimes mum gets a bit worried how long, if I'm out longer than I'm supposed to. But I tell her how, when I'm on my way home and she doesn't get cross at all. She's really happy, happy when I tell her. Do you have the own key to your own place? I did, but I lost the key at Jamie's house. But it's all right. There's a spare one inside, and uh, and Mum lets me use it sometimes. And so did it get cross? No, no. Not like not like you told me once. The workers got cross when you lose the keys. Yeah. So how does it feel now? You've been independent. It feels a lot better. I just love it. I love living independently, and I've wanted that for a long time. For a long, long time, I've wanted to get out of care and hmm, it finally happened. I, I got out of care in, on the 30th of September last year. And who got you out of care? Did your sisters have any help with you getting out of care? Yes, it was my sisters. They really wanted me out of care. Mum came up with the idea for a unit to be in her backyard for me and we made a compromise and I agreed with mum. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Okay. 
We'll be right back after a song called The Drumming Street Ballad by the Dwight's Tough and Reinforce. On the wall in the office of Reinforce is a handwritten story that tells the cause of the long hard struggle for those of us with ID to find a voice and be heard for what we need. Like transport, health, education and play. Like living in houses like everyone else every day. And the simple freedoms that most others enjoy that were consumed by the shackles institutions employed. But it was the spring of 1982 that the winds of change came sweeping through. We took on the government who had houses to spare, who held them for staff from any damn where. There was this one old place in Drummond Street that had been sitting there empty in no one's keep. They said it was one more place for ministry staff, but what about us, we said, why did we come last? So we walked right in and started to squat, and the government said, hey, get out you lot. But we sat right there, all to see, and the ministry's power was in jeopardy. And we came and we stayed and we wouldn't let go We talked to the world, let everyone know Discrimination and human rights Equality is everyone's fight We're tired of promises and government words Tired of waiting for our voice to be heard Started talking with our own two feet As we moved in to 112 Drummond Street 112 Drummond Street 112 Drummond Street Many days went by and the government found that we were set, we would give no ground. So the ministry sent lots of suits into tour, but our demands were clear, empty-handed they walked. And finally the minister, Mr Roper, came. He heard our story and recognised the shame. He said this house, but not without some remorse, will be signed right over to reinforce. So we went to his office in Parliament House. We signed that paper and we heard him announce that he would fund many houses for those with ID and we knew Reinforce had won a great victory. And we drank champagne right then and there as Tom opened a bottle for us squatters to share. And apart from this story that we have on our wall, we still have that bottle to remind us all. And we came and we stayed and we wouldn't let go. We talked to the world, let everyone know about discrimination and human rights. Equality is everyone's fight. And we're tired of promises and government words. Tired of waiting for our voice to be heard. We started talking with our own two feet as we moved. In to 112 Drummond Street, 112 Drummond Street, 112 Drummond Street. Looking back now, that was 33 years ago. Some changes have come, but man, they've been slow. And while our victories are few, they still taste so sweet. In particular, that time we squatted in Drummond Street. The song you just heard was Drummond Street, ballad by the right tough and reinforce. This was the story of how reinforce and self-advocacy 
groups for people with an intellectual disability squatted in a government building to gain their right over living freely in the community for people with a disability. You are listening to 3CR radio show on Raising Our Voices on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. We are run by people with disabilities and give people with disabilities a voice on their airways. Nothing about us without us. Today we are sharing our stories of living in institutions, group homes, SRSs and CAUs and institutions. We want people to know that people with disabilities should not have to live in these institutions, support accommodations, houses or CRUs. Everyone should have their choice to live independently and wherever they want to live. Passing over to James now for his story. Thank you, Auntie Jane. That's all right. <laughs> um, I was put in a CRU in care for many years and now I'm happy living independently because I chose to live independently and it was my choice to live independently because I wanted to give a try to live independently and I'm grateful that I am living independently. When I was in foster care, I I also lived in a group home. I I shifted around a lot. Some group homes, it was good. Some was bad. Some was mixed. The carers need to respect and take care of them and listen to the people with a disability and pay attention to them. They should believe when a resident is not well to take to take care of them i left the cau when i was 30. at one of the caus i was treated fairly with with respect there was one phone lion there was only one phone line some of the support workers were listening on the phone, on the conversations, until I, till I bought my own mobile phone. That was two years ago, but there, there should be two phone lines, one for support carers and one for residents. Now I am living independently. I chose to live independently because I was picked on at school and teased at school and I had a three-month trial to live independently, which I took that on board and now I'm still living independently and I get to go out anywhere I like and go home anytime I like. I like different self-advocacy groups because People like asking questions in groups and teams and questions. I have been 
have been part of a self-efficacy group for many years and have been part of a team for many years. Can I just ask you, what? how did it do, you, do you feel when they were listening to your professional phone calls? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I mean, I, I don't know what happened because I'm not sure because I could hear breathing on the other side on the other phone, but that was just different. Mm. It wasn't allowed to swear on the phone either. It doesn't give much privacy because there was only one phone line where I, where I was living, but until I bought my own mobile phone. That's terrible. Yeah. People should have choices to live independently or stay in group homes or it's up to the person if they want to to try and live independently or to live with their family or to stay with friends or family. It's all about choices and choices are in their hands, in the hands of the person with a disability. Heather wasn't able to join us today, but she has an important story to share. So we are going to play a recording of her sharing her story now. Hello, everyone. My name is Heather and I am a South African and I volunteer and do paid work with Read for Self Advocacy and also for Positive Powerful Parents. I was living in an SIS, a supported residential service and to stay there I was paying 900 a fortnight for my DSP and I told them from the very start that I was vegetarian. They didn't take this into consideration. They were putting meat in every meal for lunch and dinner. I spoke to them about it and they told me that they wouldn't cook something special just for me because they they had a lot of other people who were living there who were not vegetarian. They also told me that if I wanted to keep being a vegetarian, I have to buy takeaway food for every meal. Sometimes I would just not eat because I didn't have any money to buy anything. I would go hungry until breakfast the next morning. The only thing that the SIS was giving me 
was bread and butter or a Vegemite sandwich. They weren't allowing me to close my door either. I just wanted to have my own privacy to do my own things without any interruptions. And people there got really upset when I did close my door. I got a disability advocate involved in my situation, but it didn't go that far because the SRS was not listening. If I wasn't home at the right time, I would have to miss a meal. If I got home late, they wouldn't let me in. I had the key to my bedroom, but not the key to the front door. They wouldn't give me a key to the front door. I think that it should be everyone's right to have a key to the front door of where they are living. It was like we were treated like prisoners and we weren't treated like adults. Everything should change about SISs. To get to where I am living now, I went through a homeless service and another service for family violence where they gave me a caseworker. With help from that caseworker and other people, I put my name down for the Victorian Government Housing Commission where there is a 10-year waiting list. I've been on the right list for a couple of years now. The caseworker told me that there was an opportunity where they don't always come up. So to speed things up, I put my name down for this opportunity and from there I did an application and then my application was successful. It was pretty much straight away that I was able to live in a affordable apartment. It took me a lot of work to get to where I am now. In between now and then, I had trouble with some real estate agents. I was looking at a property and they asked my support worker about my living situation behind my back. My support worker was there to support me if I needed some support, not to talk behind my back. And then they told me that 
I wouldn't get into the rental market because I was on a disability pension. Another time I applied for a property which took me all day to fill it out and to scan everything into the computer. Then I found out that it was for a different property that I originally looked at. So I had to do it all over again. How frustrating. Between the SRS and now, I was living in a shared apartment with someone and I was not completely happy. Now I am living in an affordable apartment on my own. I feel I have more time on my hands and that I can do whatever I want to. I am able to buy my own furniture and write goods and just have whatever whatever I want in the house and wherever I want it. Thank you everyone for listening to my story and being patient with me as I was saying the story. Thank you. Today we shared our stories of living in institutions, group homes, SRSs and CAUs. And we spoke up about how everyone should have their choice of living independently. This show might have brought up some difficult feelings for some people listening today. I talked about some sad stories, but you might feel sad after hearing these stories. If you feel sad after this show, you can call Beyond Blue, which is 1300224636. Lifeline, 131114. Thanks for listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR, 8.55am. We are run by people with disabilities and give people with disabilities a voice on their ways. Join us next month when we, we will talk about people from the Rainbow community with a cognitive disability. You've been listening to a podcast produced at 3CR Community Radio. It's Radiothon time. This is where we ask you, the listener, to stay tuned, stay radical. This year, we need to raise $275,000 to keep the station going. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference. It's so easy to donate. Head to 3cr.org.au slash donate. We rely on the community support, so please be sure to donate and stay tuned, stay radical in 2023. Thanks for listening.